From the backstretch at Saratoga, this is Loose on the Lead with Steve Bick and Seth Merrill. Loose on the Lead is sponsored by... in front of Claire Court, Seth Merrill, Steve Bick, and uh, I commented uh, as you sat down, talk about summer casual, and, and your response was? I've given up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I've got, right. I've, got no, right. I've got no I've got no ties left. No ties left. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, listen, I, I think of myself as a non-sweater because I, I, I really, I, I don't, I don't, at least I don't perspire, you know, from the top down. I, I, Mid-range, you know. You don't you have get, to tell uh, me. I arrive at the track every day with that. It's like, oh, this is not a good look. No, it's tough. So <laughs> I, I just, yesterday, I, I'm getting, I'm trying stuff on. I'm thinking I'm going to wear, you know, Whitney Day, traditionally, I've worn the seersucker. And you had the seersucker jacket on yesterday. Well, I, I went, yeah, that's the, that's the seersucker sport coat uh, with the brown. With that the with good? The brown, thank you. Uh, I, but I, I kind of saddle I, shoes, you right? Yes. No, just one, a nice, one just a nice, nice pair of nice pair of uh, wingtip. Uh, it's actually very funny. I was in the racing office a couple of years ago, and I, I was wearing those. And, and here's Danny Gargan, and Gargan looks down. And he says, "Hey, look!" And he's got the same shoes. <laughs> he said, "These are nice, huh?" I said, "I said, yeah." He said, "They were expensive." I said, "Where'd you get them?" He said, "Oh, I got them at I forget where he said." I said, oh, okay, uh, you know, listen, Gargan pays retail. What, what are you, what are you going to say? So, no, those are they're fabulous. Give the I love those shoes. I, I just, I can't. I'm sorry. I, I uh, it is. It's actually right now. It's not terrible. Well, doing the, the the morning shows, it has been like weirdly like this right from the beginning of the meet. You come in at nine o'clock. It's like, hey, it's a beautiful day. By the time you get to eleven, it's that's why I've done done. done Forget it. it the past. So few yesterday, days. I, after a bunch of attempts, I said, you know what, open collar. And then he, today, I thought, you know what, I, I got the linen. I, huh? I'm buying into it. I'm yeah. I'm all about the summer casual. Uh, before we get to some uh, recaps. Uh, from yesterday and the day before, uh, do want to note uh, Nicole Russo will join us. It is sales week. Uh, she covers the sales for the Daily Racing Forum. So we'll talk a little bit about the sales coming up this week. New York bread sales uh, coming up a week, uh, you know, next weekend. And uh, maybe we'll tout some horses to look at the uh, first couple of days of the sale with Nicole. And then it's our annual visit. Last year we had the Power Fritz or whatnot that canceled their visit last year. And uh, I was getting a lot that's, of negative feedback that right. folks that's, missed Paul and Duke right. last year. Paul and Duke Matisse will uh, make that. their annual visit here. That there was a snafu, yeah. as, as we say. And I also forgot I was going to get one of those little ceramic, we have one of those ceramic Christmas trees. I, I meant to, <laughs> I, I meant oh, to bring it in and use it as a centerpiece uh, because of one of the greatest lines in, in capital OTB TV history. Yes, very when, good. When, when Paul sat down a couple of years ago and said, Merry Christmas, and we looked at him and he said, well, I because I, people always call me and, and text me every every Christmas when the OTB 
runs this show, this that special appearance. Duke and Paul will discuss. Uh, it'll, it'll be a grab bag. Uh, I, I know we're going to talk about the the steward calls from the last few days that that just remain mystifying to players. Apparently, you can herd horses three pads. That's fine. But if you tighten one up and, and, and have a little bit of hurly-burly, that's no good. But you can, you can cut off a path for, for the length of the stretch. That's okay. Not a problem. It's the most bizarre and, and, and absolutely maddening scenario. I've never gotten that. The hurting thing bugs me because you won't get a decision, particularly if they don't touch. But you're taking away the forward momentum of that of horse. Of course, thing. of course. I mean, if 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 the you know the horse is taking every step he's taking, and and there's there's the body of the other horse is in front. How's he supposed to get? Oh, he was never getting by. Right. He was never getting by because this horse was making sure he wasn't getting by. What are you doing? Yeah. It's absolute nonsense. I, I, I thought I made a funny quip the other day when it was Javier Castellano in that eighth race on Wednesday. I said, boy, Javier, uh, Thursday on the radio, I said, boy, Javier back riding his best, which means he's back to his best form hurting because he was absolutely, him and DeSormo for years were the absolute masters of that. Floating horses out on the turn, and, and oh, oh, he's getting out a little. No, he's not. He's he's forcing a horse with momentum out a couple more pads. It, it, I tell you, maybe they'll stop. Maybe the stewards stand here. Maybe they will address this when somebody's dead on the racetrack. Maybe then. Think about that, because that's because that's where we're going to end up. It is, it is That's where you're going to end up, with a clipped heel and a dead jockey. It is dangerous. There's no Keep question. it up. There's no question. They're busy. They're too busy fining people in the racing office. That's their big agenda. Um, so Duke and Paul coming on and uh, hit on that and other things. As I'll, I'll, let always, them, I'll let them get as, heated as, under as, the collar. As always with Duke and Paul. But top of the show, we have to shift gears here because... Uh, we didn't do it at the top of the handicapping show because you were going to be in here live, uh, but it's time for your DePaula play of the day. Uh, my dark horse play of the day, I said earlier. You're, I'm, the, you're, you're I'm, the dark horse I'm, king. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, 18 days, uh, there was one scratch of 17 picks. Eight of them hit the money. Uh, three wins, three seconds, two thirds. What's the uh, ROI? All, all the categories. Did you they, the ROI? They, uh, I have approximately $150 across the board. In 18 days? And, uh so there's 50 some dollars via win, uh, 50 place. There's more place than win, and there's about 45 now in the show. Uh, you know, there's a way to do this. You add up all the money and you divide. I did, it I did that. Pack. I did that, but a couple days ago. Wow. I didn't have it in my head, but I, but I did that a couple. I did it a couple days ago. When, you, when you're banging it out like that, you should have that ROI. I did. I banged it out on Twitter a couple of days ago when I put it together. Oh, I didn't see that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put it out. Well, in the meantime, play I'm, today. DePaul will play I'm today. stymied. I, I, I am absolutely stymied. I got the four placements, and I thought I was picking up some momentum. And, uh, you know, it's funny. There's been some days where we're not doing the, you know, I'm not the DePaul play of the day player, but have actually had, you know, some oh, of the best bets, some of the, you know, the horses that, uh, that Aztec, uh, Aztec Sunrise, Aztec, the, uh, the Wayne Catalano. 
uh, oh, from the other day. The first are from Catalano? Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, the sharp Aztecas are yeah, yeah. out of control. Yeah. They're absolutely, in fact, we could talk about that with Nicole Russo. Sharp Azteca, uh, he's overall, he's third in earnings. This was as of, I think, Friday. Third in earnings of the first crop sires. Bolt Doro leads, although he doesn't have a stake winner, which is a little unusual. Bolt Doro has got a bunch of winners, but at now, Sharp Azteca has passed him in number of winners. I think he's up to 13 from his first crop. He's got two stake winners, including that Sharp as attack. Uh, the Doug uh, O'Neill that won the Tyro at Monmouth uh, last weekend with an 85 buyer. So Sharp Azteca has been a, an absolute marvel, and he was sort of he was sort of coming into the sales season as with his yearlings, and then even as the two-year-olds were in training. People were a little hesitant uh, because of the association with the George Navarro. Uh, basically, a lot of them were purchased as bargains. I mean, real bargains, uh, you know, for 20000 40000 30000 and they're coming out running. So we'll talk to Nicole about that. Uh, but anyway, the play of the day, and I'm going to look for a wire job uh, in this spot. Look outside to cash in a flash. And, which, which race? Uh, the last, actually. We're going to make you wait for the Paula play of the day. Um, and I want to check the number because uh, I uh, wasn't sure if it was, yeah, the 11. Cash in a flash. There you go. Cash in a flash. Uh, you're looking at, you're looking at eight to one. And essentially, he's going to have to wire this field. Uh, I, I just, I like, uh, I like the fact that he finally gets on the grass. Uh, this is an Uncle Mo gelding of Mrs. Weber's with Marcassi. And Johnny jumped aboard uh, a couple of weeks ago, and that race came off the turf. Uh, Cassie trying to get Cash in a Flash on the grass. So uh, gets on the grass, and those races at Gulfstream on the synthetic absolutely are good enough to wire this this group and there's really not a lot of other obvious pace pressure so let's uh, let's get uh, and of course earlier in the card this could be a very nice this could be a very nice uh, scenario uh, just thinking about it oh that's actually funny because I hadn't thought about this until now but in the de la Rose in the de la Rose you've got um, Mrs. Weber and Mark with uh, oh, our, our flash, flash drive. drive as well. Uh, not related, uh, as it happens, as it happens, Cry and Catch Me, the dam of, uh, of Cash in a Flash, broke her maiden here. Because I've got the, I wasn't, the, the, was added in the wind picture for, uh, for the dam. Uh, Cry and Catch Me. So, Cash in a flash, you could have a uh, double flash for Mrs. Weber. Our flash drive in the De La Rose, and then cash in a flash uh, in the nightcap. The DePaula play of the day. Let's uh, let's get on the board with a win. Enough with the second place finishes. It might be a super daily double for the live oak plantation. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> he's, he's here all week, folks. Don't tip be, your servers. Don't forget to tip your wagers. Uh, <laughs> you don't say wagers anymore. You say server now. Oh, well, I was, I, that, don't be I like was, that. I was, 
Oh, okay, don't forget to dip your Unless you're at Jack's Oyster House, where it's only waiters. Oh. Is it still only waiters at That's Jack's? a good question. I've never been to Jack's, but I know they had the... Yeah, Wait. The... You live in the Capital District how long? <laughs> well, my whole life. Your whole life? Yeah. You've never been to Jack's Oyster House? I've never had an oyster, so I don't know if I'm... It, it, the, the, the oyster is in the name. They don't, they don't <laughs> hold a gun to your head at the table and say, Eat those oysters! You slug. They're famous for the steaks and the chops. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, the, nope. the oysters were famous like in 1883. It's <laughs> unbelievable. I don't like oysters. Wow. I'll put it on the. I'll put it on the. Uh, I don't the, like oysters. Actually, I don't like oysters. You know, you know, tell you where I'll have oysters. I, not. I don't like. I, it's one of those foods I never tried. And it's one of those where I'm kind of reluctant to try, just on the they, look of things. They don't have a great. Yeah. They don't have a great appearance. You know, sitting there in that soupy water, it's not a... That said, I love clams, and clams don't really have a good look either, I will say. But. I, 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 think, I think clams have it over uh, oysters. Well, oh, I think so, too. Oysters have a, yeah, there's a... But you, you, know, who, you know who they both laugh at? Mussels. They just, <laughs> they just laugh at the mussels. Yeah, some people love mussels, too. Mussels well, are not on my agenda. Some people like blood sauce. Uh, that, that's, yeah. that's your that's your Groundhog Day line of the morning. All right, uh, let's uh, take a, a kind of a recap of some of the action uh, from yesterday and kick things off with the Whitney. I called for the uh, the replay, uh, the entire race. Uh, we'll take a look at yesterday where life is good. Kind of took them all the way around. Twitter, I people are really kind of punching at this performance. I thought it was a really good performance. Comes up with a 107 buyer figure and. Uh, the chart margin is going to wind up to be a couple of lengths. Happy Saver moves late to, to wind up second. Hot Rod Charlie third. Olympia disappoints running fourth. Zoomer, the $50,000 uh, claim in the race, no surprise, uh, pulls up the rear. But again, I, I was surprised on social media how much consternation really? and criticism. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Social, so, media, I mean, it was, uh, social media reaction uh, surprised you. But, but that I, and oysters. I thought, <laughs> I thought you know, uh, 20, 46, 110. And then at the top of the stretch, it looked like, yeah, they may, they may go by it, but he comes back and, and runs very well. So I, I was impressed. I, you know, we wanted that duel between Life is Good and Olympia. We didn't get that, but I thought it was a, a very good performance in the Whitney yesterday. Well, one thing, you know, for those of us that, that liked Olympiad, and I did, um, you knew you were a chicken in a pot right there. It, when he starts to back up, essentially, and uh, when Hot Rod Charlie goes on and Olympiad has got absolutely no response, He's finished. Uh, meanwhile, you got to appreciate, and, and this is what made sense about the approach. Life is good was going to use his speed to do what you know what he's cut out to do. Uh, you know, the mile in the eighth, obviously between the San Felipe, you know, as a, a three-year-old, and 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 the performance in the Pegasus, we we know that he can get rolling on the front end. Does this, you know, does this get us excited about the Breeders' Cup Classic? I, I doubt it. Um, he gets, he does get leg weary here, and and Happy Saver, who ran a just a dynamite race, and what a, I tell you what, you realize after this effort by Happy Saver, he's never been off the board. He's now got five wins, five seconds, and a third, and eleven career tries. I mean, he he is reliable. Uh, I understand why uh, Flavian Pratt and, and uh, the team and Doug O'Neill and company, why they didn't necessarily you know, try to engage life as good 
uh, you maybe wanted to spar and stay in, in contact. Um, I, I'll, I don't know why anybody is, is knocking the effort. Um, there, there is a story to be read this morning from Dave Brennig yesterday about, uh, you know, Dave compiled uh, some quotes and some conversation with horsemen who feel that the track is a little bit deep. Mm -hmm. and, and particularly tiring. And we, I will tell you, life is good. I put up a picture. You want to talk about social media. I put up a picture. You know, Todd, for those of you that didn't notice it, if you weren't on track, uh, he started a thump. He, he started to tie Oh, up. you had the picture with the hose. Right, he, right, right. He was, he, he was thumping his, his, you know, his rib cage, and he needed to get moving. Uh, some people critical that he was held you know, motionless in the in the winter circle too long. Uh, Todd was very conscious of what was going on and said, "Let's go. We got to get him moving." And got and then Todd grabbed the hose himself and to cool him down. And then he went a little further up the stretch and they hit him again with the hose and he started he started to relax. Um, but I I love I, I, the social media reaction. We, we're going to have a bunch of people noting. You know their their horsemanship accomplish uh, how accomplished they are, and they're going to critique. You know Todd Pletcher, and and, and you know the attendant staff uh, about uh, you know how to handle it. Uh, they all were conscious, and they moved him as quickly as possible. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how. I'm going to be curious to talk to Todd tomorrow on radio and see how much this took out of him. Uh, but. You know, 148 change over that track. Very yeah, exactly. Good. 107. Exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, let's go back. Let's take a look at the test. Uh, upset there. Yes. Uh, Matarea uh, winds up um, running third at 30 cents to a dollar. I had Wesley Ward on yesterday. I think, you know, when I talked to Wesley yesterday about the, I think they were just looking for a placing in a grade one. I think, you know, just get a, a nice, some black yeah. type on the resume. But Chi Town Lady comes very late yeah. and gets it done at 17 to 1. Hot Pepper second. Matarea runs third third in here. So again, an upset upset for uh, Wesley Warren Company uh, in the test. I, I, I ended up with nothing out of this despite liking Chi-Town Lady. Uh, in my write-up, I picked her second. She was the only closer in a field of speed. Yeah. You had six horses that wanted to be on or near the lead, and you had one horse that was going to come from off the pace. And you get Joel Rosario uh, to boot. So, in fact, I was watching the race with uh, our friend and partner, uh, Steve Carlin and, and, um, uh, and Dr. Alan Miller, uh, and wow, I, they said, you know, they're, they're, they're monitoring the exactus. And they said, what do you, I said, the, the horse that's going to come pick off, you know, a, a spot late is Chi Town Lady. And then the way I, I ended up betting it, I, I had tossed hot peppers. I mean, first of all, Rudy, Rudy Rodriguez, it, 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 right now it's lucky that Rudy can find the barn, let alone a winner's circle. Uh, and I just thought she would get burnt up. So I, I tossed hot peppers completely. That's us on the screen. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, let's take a look at uh, one more before uh, we, we bring up Nicole because we do have the uh, Glens Falls and the, the nice performance by Warlike Goddess uh, in yeah, here she she wins the, 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 the race to talk about is the Derby okay let's pull up well, yeah, uh, Warlike Goddess was one to five and she you know lived up to she it. was handled like uh, a one to five 
So again, here's the stretch run of the uh, the Glens Falls, and it is warlike goddess. But as you say, she got it done as she was supposed to get done. Um, and then once we uh, wrap up this, pull up the uh, Saratoga Derby. We'll watch Nation's Pride get it done over Annapolis. Um, classic Causeway winds, winds up running third in here, but Nation's Pride uh, coming in uh, from. Uh, Overseas to run a good second in the Belmont Derby for Charlie Appleby. Uh, improves on that, obviously, getting it done yesterday in the Saratoga Derby. Well, th this is a really good horse. Yeah. And, it, you know, the time the time uh, measurement is, is all screwed up, so they're going to have to hand time this before there's a figure. But this is a serious horse, probably, I'm not trying to take away from Classic Causeway, who was very noble in victory and and the way he won the belmont derby uh they they're not going to take it away from him just because nation's pride had some traffic issues and so forth uh but this is a real serious three-year-old turf colt that is tractable and can adjust to a lot of different distances and configurations and he probably should be two for two uh Great to have Charlie Appleby on hand at Saratoga, and uh, and uh, Will Buick. Uh, they 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 were they call him Will. All the lads were calling him Will, and uh, so uh, that that struck me uh, as notable. Two to one on him, six twenty <laughs> was an absolute gift. I mean that that was just. Uh, going to look in, Did in go off the favorite. That's the, I mean, he went favored, but at, at two to two to one plus was a tremendous price. Uh, Classic Causeway held for third. Good job, uh, and we'll see about like we said. We'll see about the time. Uh, one of the funny things was Buick brought him in the winter circle and didn't know where to go. He he, he brought him in and brought him over to the left, uh, and, and and they were like, Will, Will, over here, over here. And they, they, they spun him around. I, I was really impressed uh, with, with this one and Godolphin just, uh, you know, on an international basis. Very scary. And, of course, they could come right back with Moonlight today yeah. and, and go two for two in, in the Derby and the Oaks. Charlie Appleby uh, with that one as well. All right, we'll take a break. As promised a little earlier, Nicole Russo DRF. writes about uh, breeding for the Daily Racing Forum. And, of course, uh, with the sale coming up, uh, she's going to be covering the sale as well. We'll get a little preview on the upcoming sale DRF. Uh, this week. Go to DRF. Go to the breeding drop-down. Nicole has produced a 82-page document. Uh, <laughs> Nicole, uh, great job with the Yearling Sales Preview. You'll hear from her live ahead of tomorrow's Select Yearling Sale. Uh, one of the always the, one of the yeah. most anticipated sales. Highlighted summer. All right, stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. And come join the family for value. Just visit, call, or click. This week, celebrate with savings. Drive Silverado, just three ninety nine a month. Yes, three ninety nine a month. So come join the family and thank DePaula for all your automotive needs. When you think trucks, think DePaula. Then come join the family for value. Just visit call or click this week celebrate with savings drive equinox just 259 a month yes 259 a month so come join the family and think to paula for all your automotive needs birdstone is an outside front they're coming down to the finish can smarty jones hold on here comes birdstone birdstone surges past birdstone wins the belmont stakes in front, but here comes high chaparral high chaparral with the 
It only takes one upset to make history, and now you can be part of Saratoga's long tradition at the Dark Horse Mercantile. The Dark Horse Mercantile offers a carefully curated selection of clothing, gifts, and home decor from one-of-a-kind vintage racing memorabilia to select brands like Barber and Under Armour, as well as exclusive Dark Horse branded merchandise. So celebrate the Dark Horse in all of us at the Dark Horse Mercantile downtown Saratoga, where the smart bet is always the Dark Horse. What if there was a way to become a better horse player, to have a better knowledge of the game, to be more successful? What if there were a way to take what you've learned, what you know, and make better decisions, better choices? In horse racing, knowledge is a powerful tool. Race results and replays, past performances and live streaming, wagering from all your digital devices. Capital OTB, become a better horse player. It's Sunday morning. It's between 10 and 11 a.m. That means it's loose on the lead. Welcome back, uh, as promised before the break, with the sale coming up. Uh, the big sale Monday and Tuesday, but uh, ha having become very popular the weekend also, the New York bread sale. Highly recommend coming up and kind of enjoying a couple of evenings up here in Saratoga. You'll have a lot of fun. But we wanted to talk a little bit about the sale and maybe point to some horses to watch over the next couple of days. Who better to reach out to? Then a friend, Nicole Russo, writes for the Daily Racing Forum. Used to be a regular right up here, a native of the area. Nicole, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Very good. And so, uh, I, Saratogian for a while, and then uh, now you're down based in Kentucky, right? Lexington, Kentucky for uh, Daily Racing Forum. I've been down in Lexington about 10 years now, and before that, as you said, I was uh, right here at the Saratogian and Pink Sheet here in town. Yeah, very good. I, I remember those days. Uh, certainly had fun. Uh, seeing up in the press box regularly in those days and now we get to see you for maybe a little more of a limited time but always fun to have you in town and uh you do cover breeding and the sales for the daily racing forum before we talk saratoga in particular again given the financial situation in the country and around the world this year how have the sales been so far in 2022 so far i think we've gotten off to a nice start um we've only had one yearling sale so far it was the phasing tipton july sale down in lexington in the early part of the month and that's sort of a sale for sort of early blooming uh precocious horses and we did see some gains in that sale from its 2021 kind of comeback edition the sale was not held in 2020 as many were not due to the pandemic and um, you know we did see a good marketplace there i think right now there's a lot of enthusiasm to go racing with a lot of purse incentives for state-bred programs, uh, with high purses around the country, you know, particularly in Kentucky and New York. Uh, ship and win is, you know, a big draw in California. We saw some horses purchased from that sale specifically to go run in California for ship and win. Um, you know, so I do think the market's good. I think as we get down more into the middle and lower markets, we might see, you know, sort of some market restraint. Um, as Carrie Brogdon of, uh, you know, Machmer Hall told me, she said, you know, people need to pay their rent and utilities and buy food and they don't need to buy racehorses. But that's not something that, you know, affects, you know, kind of the upper edge of the market as much. You know, here at the Saratoga sale in sales like Keeneland September's book one, um, a lot of that segment of the market bar buying bench has a lot more discretionary income. You might see some restraint, um, you know, because certainly these people are not like, you know, completely immune to, you know, inflation and other economic realities. Um, you might see some restraint. You 
you might see maybe lower prices on some top horses because we'll see people going in in partnership and spreading the risk rather than competing with one another and driving up the price in the ring. So certainly there are some factors we should be aware of, but I think they're hoping and expecting the, the upper market to be good at phasing Tipton this week. There's a lot of optimism from both consigners and sales officials. And where does this sale fit into kind of the, the calendar during the year? Um, this is definitely kind of one of the, uh, you know, the boutique upper end. This is really our first chance to test, you know, sort of that upper end of the marketplace. We're, we're early in the season. Um, this is a sale people have specifically weighted and pointed horses for, you know, bypassing that first sale, which is very precocious horses. Um, you know, this is, uh, this is our first chance to test kind of that boutique upper marketplace. And um, also do want to alert people again stop over you know the next couple of nights you'll have a lot of fun but boy the new york bread sale over the past few years has become very very popular as well not just uh from the fan side a lot more fans show up and just enjoy the two nights but i think the buyers have appreciated it as well new york breads are not the new york breads uh, of my early days that it's a nice program and some nice horses have come out of that sale over the past few years absolutely and i think what's encouraging for the new york bread program is not just that new york breads are having continued success on the racetrack i mean you've seen it right here at this meet with um Robin Sparkles and City Man and others competing, you know, an open graded company, you know, and of course we all know about horses like that. But at the two year old sales earlier this year, we saw New York breads, you know, sell very well. One was the top priced horse, you know, in the country this year in the two year old marketplace for Chester and Mary Broman, the $3.55 million colt who smashed the record at Phasing Dipped in Mid Atlantic. Um, one of several New York breads who sold for half a million or more in the two year old market and really rewarded pin hookers handsomely. And I think, you know, that sort of wrote itself for the New York bread program that it, it pays to invest in and race those horses. Yeah, a couple of things, Nicole, uh, before we get into the catalog, uh, the because uh, I do, as always, we want to talk about the first crop sires that are, are going to be represented in, in any quantity here, uh, like Audible and, and uh, Omaha Beach and so forth. But. Uh, right now, the two-year-olds on the racetrack, the first crop runners the that are at, yeah. unbelievable what's going on. And it, the, the competition through this last third of the year is going to be very interesting. And uh, one of the things we talked about already this morning was Sharp Azteca, who is absolutely the surprise. It always seems like there is a moderately priced or even cheap stallion that uh, you know bubbles to the surface just by you know as john secura says flipping the switch uh, on the get uh then you fold in the anticipated runners like justifies uh which have been terrific gervin certainly uh, and we're going to see uh this uh the michelle lovell uh gervin son yes, uh coming up in the saratoga special looking forward to that uh Give a, a survey from you know what you're tracking because certainly Boldoro uh, has got a hatful of, of babies in this sale. Yes, and you know I think this year's freshman sires were a very interesting group to me because there were a lot of horses who I thought had the potential to be very versatile. Of course, we had horses in the group like uh, you know Catholic Boy was a Grade One winner on both dirt and turf. Um, 
Motown, such a good performer on both the dirt and turf, good Samaritan, a lot of versatile horses, and then a lot of horses who had the potential to be a bit of hidden turf sires because of, you know, who their own sire lines were. Justified by Scat Daddy, Bolt Doro by Medallia Doro, uh, City of Light by Quality Road is a multi-purpose stallion. And then, you know, Sharpest Tekka, who you mentioned, who's really come out flying. He had, he was a very interesting horse to me because he had that dirt miler speed that we see that's so valued in the American marketplace. But then also he's by Freud, talk about the New York Bread program, one of New York's, you know, all-time leading sires and dominant in the turf ranks specifically over the last decade. So I did think Sharp Azteca had the potential to sire turf horses, and we've certainly seen that already. He last you know, the weekend before this weekend, he had stakes winners on both the dirt and turf yep. with some of the better buyers for two-year-olds thus far this year in the top 10. Um, so I think, you know, he's really got the potential to continue on this season, uh, justify another one with graded winner, graded and group winners already on both the dirt and turf, which you would expect being by Scat Daddy. Um, so City of Light with winners bookending this past week on both the dirt and turf. He's really starting to heat up, and he was so, so... Uh, well-received in the yearling marketplace last year. And I think people have cooled off on him a little bit right now, but I think that's a mistake because I think those horses, they're big, they're scopey. I think they're going to continue to blossom and develop, and they're really just now getting going. Uh, Mendelssohn, the other son of Scat, yeah. the quote-unquote other son of Scat Daddy for Coolmore, um, another obviously very versatile horse from that successful sire line. So that's really the interesting thing to me, especially as we have, you know, more and more lucrative turf opportunities here in the United States with, you know, the additional Breeders' Cup race, race that we added a few years back, the turf triple, which we're in the midst of here in New York. Races like that, I think, you know, these versatile young stallions are, are really interesting, especially in an American marketplace that's lost some of its top turf sires, sadly, in the last six months or so. Well, and one of the other ones we should include in this, because I've got an interesting set of numbers, uh, Gunrunner, of course, from the first crop, saw another Gunrunner winner yesterday and uh, discussed this with Sid Fernando uh, last week on the show on the radio. And it, one of the stories that is, is not going to go away uh, and is only going to burgeon, Ron Winchell, with as many Tappet mares as he's in possession of, crossed with Gunrunner on top. You had one yesterday, 86 buyer. Uh, he, he's going to have just a, a parade of Gunrunner sons and daughters out of Tappet mares. There, I, I said to Sid the other day, has there ever been in your memory one breeder owner with an arsenal like this? And I mean, Sid, it'll end up being a, 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 a something that Sid will write up because it, it's frightening what's going to happen. Gunrunner has got 14 babies in this sale. Uh, Into Mischief, 16. 10 Justifies, 13 Uncle Moe's. And it really does feel like Phasing kind of front-loaded this. Uh, there's like five engines on the freight train uh, to make sure that, that the sale, that the numbers are you know, are, are headline worthy. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's interesting. You talk about, you know, the, the Winchells and Tappet and Gunrunner, and as you said, that's been such a productive cross, and I think it's very interesting that Ron Winchell and David Fisk and that whole operation, I mean, you know, they really... 
they really were instrumental. You know, they didn't just race these horses in their colors. They've been instrumental in the making of both of them as stallions. Maintained a significant interest in Tappet when he went to stud at Gainesway. Uh, you know, purchased a lot of mares for him, sent him a lot of mares, campaigned some of the runners that helped make him a leading sire. And now they're doing the same with Gunrunner after co-campaigning him with the Torialba family of Three Chimneys. You know, they're sending him their good mares and they're racing these horses and buying these horses and selling these horses. And really just the, the operation has been instrumental in, in the making of, you know, two great stallions from their family operation. And I think that's really remarkable as well. Uh, Gunrunner with uh, two, four, six, eight Colts and six fillies, uh, the Uncle Moe's, the Into Mischiefs as mentioned, Justify with uh, a handful. There's, uh, uh, I think, uh, what I count up? Two, four, six, eight, ten Justifies. How about uh, Curlin's Cur in this Curlin, sale? Curlin, I think, is poised to have a huge sale. Yeah. He's got, um, you know, a, a few outstanding lots that I saw when I was kind of going through and circling, you know, hips to watch. and. Uh, I, I will say yeah, the the book that we touted earlier. You have some hips to watch, and maybe we'll toss those out for people because a couple of curlins, and I pulled up some some pages from the the catalog that folks can look at. Um, but hip number fifty seven, a Philly bike curlin that that you had highlighted. Maybe people want to take a look at uh, on Monday night. Yeah, she's um, a half to improbable, who not only mm. was a grade one winner as a two year old and a good three year old, but then went on to be a multiple grade one winner and a champion as an older horse. So you know he was a precocious horse who continued to develop and then the other curlin that i think we've discussed um, tuesday night is yes is hip 126 uh is a full uh sister to first captain who topped the sale three years ago when selling for 1.5 million and i think it's interesting that this is is a full sister so it's a filly from a very deep family it's the family of blush with pride better than honor all those broodmares that we know so well and having a filly from that va family that's tremendous yeah. residual value as a broodmare down the line but yeah curlin with a few good lots i think he's one poised for a very big sale and i, I had pulled up one other uh, page 207 that'll be near the end of tuesday night end of the sale i'm sure they aren't thrilled they're they're stuck at the end of the sale but people will stick around for a horse like this by into mischief a sire i really like uh for precocious runners yeah and this is just about as strong a page as you can get by by the reigning leading sire into mischief out of the reigning broodmare of the year indian miss into mischief's resume really just keeps getting better as i said he's been the leading sire three years running breaking his own earnings record each of the past two years um, closing in right now on Quality Road who is atop the sire list uh, this year um, you know largely thanks to the exploits of Emblem Road in Saudi Arabia earlier th earlier this year although Quality Road is by no means a one-hit wonder but that did give him a big jump start on his bankroll and now Into Mischief is already maybe improbably for any other sire continuing to close in on him uh, you know with runners such as Life is Good so there's you know a reminder of that stallion's prowess and I mean in Indian Miss, uh, Indian Charlie mares have just kind of been all over the board this year. You know, there's another 
Mayor Feathered, who's the dam of flight line, and Indian Miss, as we said, you know, Broodmare of the Year. She's the dam of a champion in Metoli. And yeah, in, we're looking at the page yes, of Metoli. Hot Rod Charlie. Absolutely. I think, you know, this one is really one of the jewels of the catalog. And, and should, I think, you know, yes, they will stick around for this one, but I do think people would rather be late than early. I think you'd rather, it's kind of a maxim, you'd rather yeah, be on yeah, the yeah. second night of the sale than the first. Sometimes the market takes a bit to find its legs, and they will certainly be warmed up by the time we get to this one and I'm expecting this horse again you know if if the horse vets well jumps through all these hoops that he needs to jump through I mean these horses are under intense scrutiny um, but you know I do think that this horse has the potential to bring the sale down with a bang yeah very good and would this be one I don't know whether you have a good feel for this or not is there a potential sales topper that people can point at uh, just you know two days before the sale Th that would be yeah that would be kind of the the immediate yeah. one I go to just like I said on paper when you have a horse by the reigning leading sire out of the reigning broodmare of the year I mean that's 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 pretty incredible yeah. and, and it's it goes beyond obviously the pedigree the marketplace Nicole and you can address this We've got a marketplace right now where you've got groups and, and you've got buyers that are specifically looking for sires, yes. for potential stallion types. And so this is, if this is a, a multiple stallion family, and when you think about the SF Bloodstock team, saw Donato Lenny out. The uh, Coolmore or, team Coolmore, is in town this week. Uh, Vinny Viola and, and Mike Rapoli, uh, the Vino Rossos the are going to go through. Team. Uh, the, the, the number one on the hit parade is stallion prospects. It doesn't matter whether they're two-year-olds in training uh, or or they're yearlings at, at this point in the in the sure. development. Sure. When you're when you're buying a horse, you know, for you know a million dollars, two million dollars, the numbers we've seen at these sales, you're not necessarily saying I expect this horse to earn this back and then some on the racetrack. You are paying into that horse's residual value exactly. um, as a stallion prospect who could be a multi-million-dollar syndication deal, as a broodmare prospect who you could breed commercial yearlings out of who are then going to sell for seven figures in the ring you're very much buying into you know the value of this horse down the line of course we think we gamble over on this side of the track all of that place is <laughs> a much bigger gamble over there you, you reflect back on the green monkey for instance and it can go either way well the, do you know the joke the joke is how do you make a million dollars in horse racing start with you start with two million yeah, exactly yeah. Uh, Nicole, talk, let's talk about some of the first crop sires. I mentioned Audible, Catalina Cruiser, uh, Omaha Beach. Here's Matoli with his uh, with his first yearlings. Uh, it, you know, this is. It, we talk very often about how first crop products are very desirable in the marketplace. That's more of a Keeneland, more of a Keeneland sale, more of the you know the big box store opportunity here the tendency in terms of big ticket items a little bit more of reliability for sure. the for not but not i mean there's plenty of first crop appeal yes and it's it's a great opportunity in some ways to evaluate the first crop stallions and say you know this is a boutique select sale and to say which first crop stallions through these outstanding physicals that were deemed worthy of being in this sale which first crop stallions bred these outstanding books of mares to create these stellar pages in the sale so i think you know that's sort of very interesting to look at and certainly you look through omaha beach and vino rosso's pages and you see that you know they both bred a number of stakes winning 
winning or stakes producing mares. Uh, Catalina Cruiser, who you mentioned, uh, you know, there was one page that jumped out at me. Catalina Cruiser uh, is the sire of a colt out of Private Feeling, who's the dam of looking at Lucky, Kensei, and the page keeps getting better this year with Shahama. So I thought having her in his book, and this is her final foal, was a big get for that first year stallion. So in terms of that, it's interesting to evaluate these horses. I'm interested in seeing what we see this week from... Um, Audible, and then from Maximus Mischief, who doesn't have horses cataloged here, but does have horses cataloged in the New York bread sale. They're both sons of Into Mischief, who is really starting to emerge as a sire of sires with Logically. Golden Sense, Practical Joke. Uh, you know, so he has a couple of first crop sire sons this year. I, I want to mention one other interesting element in a boutique setting, whether it's uh, the Gulfstream sale uh, for Phasig, whether it's uh, the July sale or, or this sale, and that is standalones from relatively modest stallion priced types. There's a flame away in here, and when whenever Phasig has got a, a horse like this, you know, one hip, from you know modest price stallion it it has to be a standout physical absolutely and, and because the page as it happens this happens to be hip 169 uh out of a bernardini mare who of course bernardini as a broodmare yes. sire cannot be beat uh and it may end up being his legacy uh as it turns out but darling's darling she's had four uh six foals four to race all winners so she's a productive mare to begin with and then here's a son of scat daddy like basically third on the tick list of, of actually fourth even of the scat daddy sons who went to stud uh here after you know with scat daddy's passing and so this colt intrigues me. I mean, this has got to be a, a fabulous-looking horse. Yes, and Flame Away, another one of those stallions I mentioned this year, who's just, an, you know, an extremely versatile horse, could do it on dirt, turf, synthetic. So uh, this trend of supporting those stallions really intrigues me in this marketplace with this year's freshman and next year's freshman. Uh, our guys are here, so we should we should wrap. Yeah. Head to Duke and Paul out here. Well... Then, I'm just if you had if you had something else you want to say, I'll have her on the radio. And as you can, if you if you weren't familiar with Nicole Russo, you are now. And uh, when when Glennie Kane Oakford left the the Daily Racing Forum, I thought, uh, how, how are they going to find somebody uh, this to, is, this is to replace Glennie Kane Oakford, uh, the, the big mayor, as uh, as we all uh, <laughs> as we all know? Uh, and Nicole Russo is. You actually do something that even Glennie didn't do, which is seriously handicap. And when, when they let her do advances and do uh, the handicapping work, look for her uh, leading into Breeders' Cup with the turf sprint coverage. Uh, Nicole is as good as there is in the media front uh, for the game. Just invaluable. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you stopping by because, uh, again, I think to me, 
the sale is one of the highlights of the meet, and I always say for people are going to come up, you go over to the sale, and that's a chance. You love it because it's a chance for people to buy you drinks. That's that's <laughs> well, and going you, back to the old spite and dive. I will say to the fans out there, you know, you never know what you're going to see at these sales. Uh, newly minted Hall of Famer Tuppen sold in this very sale pavilion on East Avenue, you know, a decade ago this year. In in addition to all of the other luminaries, we could spend an hour listing. So yeah. it's a lot of fun. It's kind of like a pro sports draft. You never know what you're. Going to see. And, and if you're new to the game, you can go and pick up a catalog and read through. It helps you learn a little bit off reading. It's a lot of fun. Great social scene over there. So Monday and Tuesday, and then next weekend as well, the New York Red Sale. But a great way to keep up with it. Read Nicole, and appreciate you're also giving maybe some hips for people to look at. Appreciate you stopping by this morning. Thank you for having me. Nicole Russo from the Daily Racing Forum. Hey, it's Paul and Duke, and uh, they're in the house, so we will take a break. The Matisse brothers up next. Stay tuned. It only takes one upset to make history, and now you can be part of Saratoga's long tradition at the Dark Horse Mercantile. The Dark Horse Mercantile offers a carefully curated selection of clothing, gifts, and home decor from one-of-a-kind vintage racing memorabilia to select brands like Barber and Under Armour, as well as exclusive Dark Horse branded merchandise. So celebrate the Dark Horse in all of us at the Dark Horse Mercantile downtown Saratoga, where the smart bet is always the Dark Horse. Capital OTV is now streaming live on Roku. The RTN Racing Channel on Roku lets you watch OTB TV live through your Roku device or your Amazon Fire Stick, rather than being limited to computers and mobile devices, which means you can now watch OTB live wherever you are. Simply open Roku, scroll to find the RTN channel, then click on OTB TV. OTB TV on Roku. Try it now. No matter where in the world you are, the excitement of wagering on horse racing is just a click away. You'll get live streaming, past performances, race replays, our virtual tote board, analysis and selections from professional handicappers, a simple, safe, and secure wagering platform, and best of all, you get track prices. CapitalOTBBet.com. Bet any place, anytime at CapitalOTBBet.com. And be sure to download our new mobile app from the iTunes Store or Google Play.
Welcome back to Loose on the Lead. As touted at the top of the show, uh, we missed him last year with a little technical snafu, and I was getting a lot of negative feedback uh, because people love a visit from Duke and Paul, particularly because where was the segment at Christmas time? So uh, we'll give you guys an, an opportunity to say Merry Christmas as well as uh, Happy kind of middle of Saratoga. Uh, the second uh, right to me, Paul Matisse, Duke Matisse right next to me. Hey, good morning, fellas. Morning. Merry Christmas, Seth. <laughs> Merry it's Christmas. Steve, Merry, it's Happy Hanukkah. It's one of, thank you. It's one of the, <laughs> that was one of the all-time. One of the funniest <laughs> moments in network history. Because <laughs> it took us by surprise, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the tie-in. Uh, always great to have you guys here. And I guess the first the first overall arching question, how, you know, how do you stand? We're halfway, basically, and uh, how's the meat gone? Well, it's been a little weird because... Uh, I'm winning, but not a lot, and you know, I, I, my opinions have been good. That's the weird part. Uh, usually, um, my opinions stink, and I'm somehow managed to win a little bit. But uh, I, I think I have a pretty good line of what's going on, which is which is a good thing. And, you know, I always talk about uh, Saratoga as the beginning of the year handicapping, and nobody has any idea what I'm talking about. But if you look back on form cycles and stuff, things change when you get up here to Saratoga. And then everybody comes out, and they just want to, you know, blow their balls at the beginning, and uh, you know, just bet out. And uh, the the and you shouldn't because the form is kind of changing. I've noticed this year that it's a little different, and that it changed a little sooner. And I think that's maybe why we have a better line, if that makes any sense. Okay. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well actually. I'm uh, I'm showing a profit for the meet. I've had a lot of winners, nothing spectacular, but. been doing a lot of work on breeding this year it seems to be seems to be really paying for, off for uh, babies for yeah for babies yeah babies that are bred for on the mare side for turf and things like that and horses that maybe worked well with uh, certain you know in the morning crosses so, yeah. and, and and the workouts but the, the the horse the horse this past week that was the absolute pedigree play was the ian wilkes forty dollar winner yeah. uh, and i felt like a complete idiot here's a more than ready and you know ian wilkes is very cautious you know getting them breaking them in getting them a, a race little little bit of a you know just a, a a try at churchill before coming here and pops at a big number and, and, and it, it it was not that difficult to sniff that out from a pedigree standpoint yeah there's been some good ones i mean yeah. uh, even that three horse i think that ran second to the to the bet out horse the other day on I think it was on like it was on the really hot the, the supposed really hot day. So I think it's been hotter since. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that was Thursday, was it? Duke's like both of the shug horses that one. Nice. Yeah, yeah. the shug horse yesterday and so it's been good on breeding but the the dirt's played a little funny with the rail being deep and that's been just a, uh, just in deep in general. Deep in general horses are getting too tired and especially the shippers. The cameo by JK walking by over there. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the shippers from Churchill and Monmouth, you know, and Finger Lakes. I think I thought the Finger Lakes horses were going to be good. So at, did I. At the beginning of the meet, and they just uh, they just haven't been fit enough. And the odd thing is that the Churchill horses, in general, have been flip-flopped to what they normally do because they're not doing good on the dirt, but they're doing good on the turf, which is probably because they didn't have the turf. Exactly. But I mean, that's that's completely different than the norm, you know. For, for, but and Monmouth is the fastest it's ever been, and the horses that have been shipping from Monmouth coming up here have been rough. I mean, even even Todd, who's never never runs a short horse, his Monmouth shippers, a couple of them were eased, and you know haven't done haven't done good. There's actually, I, if I'm not mistaken, 
today in the 6th, right? Is it the 6th? There's a Todd horse. Is it in, uh, is it, or is it in the 5th? Uh, he's got one that he's bringing over. I, I know that, he, that he's the set uh, yeah. in the 5th yeah. was uh, a Monmouth. You know, and you know, that's, been, that's actually been an equation that has been really interesting. And this actually equates to some degree with Tampa and Gulfstream. And you know, running at Tampa for the small purses, uh, in some cases, uh, Clement and uh, Chad Brown just don't just don't want to run their horses on that terrible turf course at Gulfstream, mm -hmm. and so they run them for the smaller money. Then they show up. People think, oh, ugh, ran at Tampa, can't be much of a horse. That, no, that's not the case. Same thing. We've the last couple of summers with Todd and Chad having consizable strings at Monmouth, including you know the the babies. Uh, having to take a referendum on uh, on what level they're going to compete at when they show up here. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, I think it's, you know that's the, the way that how the track has been has played a, a factor into that. You know, kind of those the wise guy angle that you can come up with that on uh, maybe some of these shippers there just hasn't hasn't worked out because of that. And that uh, and it'd be interesting to see how it goes forward. First of all, I, with all the hoopla now, it'd be interesting to see how the track changes. You know, if it's been, there's been some really slow variants, you know, doing them, doing the figures. And some of those mile and an eighth races, oh. you know, I mean, they get scattered it's out a, from, and from, it's a stagger fest. from here to yeah. Skylerville, yeah. you know. And uh, so it'll, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if it keeps going like that. But and if it, if it flips, then maybe in the second half of the meet, we can get some of these shippers, like you're saying, you know. Well, well talk about the mile and eight. Uh, we talked about at the top of the show yesterday. I was surprised, but I love your opinion uh, on the Whitney yesterday. Yeah. Life is good because, I, again, on Twitter there was some consternation about the performance. I thought it was a really good-looking performance. One hundred seven buyer. What did you think of Life is Good yesterday? Uh, tremendous performance. I mean, I didn't think he would get the mile and eighth, especially like we were talking about this yeah. track. Top of the so, stretch. I thought they were going by. Track being so deep and tiring, and uh, but he did get. He did got a kind of cruising lead i would call it you know he got he got out there by himself and uh was kind of just cruising so relaxed. he stayed off the rail relaxed and which he likes to do he likes doing yeah. that so i yeah. and he likes drifting kind of all over yeah the he, place, he likes to do that know? like so yeah. he kind of got the right and i think the track may have been a little bit better because it got wetter you know it harrowed they harrowed it right they had right to see before it, it rained. Yeah. yeah so i mean but he did run tremendous race yeah. can't take anything away yeah i can't take anything that should be factored in too. When that rain did come, uh, right, and they sealed it, yeah. they sealed it after considerable moisture had gone into yeah, the track. They had it literally right as it started raining. Yeah, and, and then, then, they, then they came and sealed and, it. And, yeah. and usually, usually, frankly, Glenn Kozak is they're ahead of the curve yeah. on these flash, uh, on these flash. This was not a thunderstorm. This was a weird sort of, you know. Uh, uh, you know, cloud over the racetrack yeah, for, yeah. for eight minutes, yeah. uh, kind of a rain, because I tell you, it didn't do a thing to that turf course. I went out uh, to watch the Saratoga Derby, and, I mean, that course, you're, you're going to need, you know, 40 days and 40 nights of rain oh, to soften that course up. sprinklers every night. Uh, that sprinklers only keep it green. No, they, but... They, they don't... <laughs> that's all they thought. No, but I'm saying, so that rainstorm yesterday wasn't doing anything. No, 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 no. Turf it, course is hard, really hard right now. Yeah. Uh, I always like to catch up uh, and get an idea. You guys qualified for NHC this year? Yeah, both both yeah, of us NHC did. Uh, I, I qualified at Monmouth in the pick your prize, and I'm not sure where. I, I think we qualified horse on I, yeah. yeah, I qualified on horse turnies. Okay, you yeah. got both seats because one of you, you know, if one of you were to win, beat pick. <laughs> oh, you're, elig you're eligible in. for a million dollar bonus. Uh, oh, really? really? Yes. 
Oh, I didn't know the bonus. That would be a million too. dollar bonus. <laughs> it would be. This is. I mean, yeah, right. You, uh, you can sniff it. You do you have a second seat available? I do. Yes. I do. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to look into that. Come on. <laughs> I'm not sure I can beat you, though. Well, you don't have to beat me. You, if, like, like yesterday, you could have come along with me with Nation's Pride. Okay. Who is well, a, would have. Who is a serious, that, a serious, he should be two for two in this turf triple. But uh, all you got to do at today's race is the De La Rose. I picked Jouster, who I did not expect David Aragona to make the morning line favorite, actually. I thought she'd be second or third choice, but anyway. Um, I pick Jouster. If you don't like Jouster, my, my pick, you pick somebody else. If your horse wins and you're not a tour member, you get to join for $10. That's a good deal. Right? That's wow. awesome. Say 40 bucks. Sounds good. That's awesome. And if you then win Beat Pick in September, September 17th is the final, and then you win the NHC, not only do you get the 750000 a million dollar bonus because you're the Beat Pick representative. Yeah, I've had a chance to on some of those bonuses where I won the Santa Anita contest and I I think I won the when it was Fairplex or LaSalle and they had bonuses on it. Yeah. They put your name there with the bonus all the time. I always when get, you're on the you, scoreboard. Makes you, makes you a little, uh, a little uh, well, I don't know about that, but it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. But yeah. of course the year I won I didn't have any bonuses. <laughs> but I'll take it. The, the, that was the best part. That was that was one of the great moments in in interview history when I said, Paul, you just won the NHC. Is this your biggest score? Uh, no. Uh, no. No. Not close, actually. Uh, talk about, uh, let's talk about actually uh, getting uh, uh, some frustrations out. Uh, what is your view in general of what has gone on with the steward stand and the way they're handling these hurting incidents, that eighth race on Wednesday, I mean, Javier Castellano, three pads, and then actually, you know, coming into contact at the wire, uh, no change. And I, I mean, I don't need social media uh, to vote one way or the other, but I, I mean, this was, this was egregious that this was not a takedown. I, I thought the horse should have come down. I thought the, the horse drifted far enough and impeded the horse enough to come down, but I mean, on the other hand, you have, uh, you know, other ones that, you know, they took down, they took down another one that was not even, I don't even think half as bad as that one. So you gotta, we gotta get consistent at least. Well, the hurting though, I mean, and, and you guys have watched New York racing long enough. I mean, I, I, and I, and this is not to just to try to, you know, indict the, the current stewards assortment. This has gone on for years and years in New York where basically carrying horses out and, and maintaining a lead by taking their path away in, in the most subtle of manners, sometimes not so subtle, this has been going on forever here. And it's never, I mean, you now get to the point where you watch it and you say, ah, they're, they're going to leave this alone. And, and it's not, it, it, A, it's dangerous. That, that's the first order of business for heel clipping and, and for dropping riders and horses. So number one, it's dangerous. Then there's all of us that are betting on this. And it's completely unfair. And it's remarkable that with the attention given it, there's been no attempt to pull these riders up, at least bring them in, find them, give them some days, even if you don't take them down. Well, that, you know, the, I have, I agree with you on some points and some other ones. I, I, the, the, well, I did a lot of work with the Thurbert uh, Foundation. Yeah. And a lot of it was on inquiries. And I've, 
I think, to your point, is that there should be a set of rules of what you're allowed to do and what you what you can't do with the hurting. Um, and I think, you know, just bring in the jockeys and let them decide. Because I don't think they should be a dead duck, you know, when you're on, when the, on the front. I don't think that's... I don't, from my own personal opinion, I don't like that. I don't think the jockeys would want that either. You know, just as a horseman or whatever. If you're just out there and you got to stay, you know, kind of like Hong Kong, you're forced to stay there and... You know, and the guy and the horse on the outside has every right to do whatever he wants. But you, you're stuck, like kind of like the harness. You know, like when they have the passing lane, you got to stay here. You can't do anything. Everybody comes on the outside. I don't think that that's the right solution. I mean, if they, they made it that, I'm willing to go with anything. You know, consistency is what we want. But so I'd like to give them a little leeway to 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 what, to what they can do. But. You know, to Duke's point, what everybody, everybody's point, and you know, is that it should be consistent with what the guy can do, and when the jockey sure. should know what they should be able can do. I mean, there's no way Louis Size didn't think he could do what he did on Friday after watching Wednesday when the horse comes out six pass. That exactly, right? He's exactly. in a stretch duel, and all he did was just get his horse to, to engage. You know, this left-handed whip, and I don't like that stuff either. He he's got to make the horse see the other horse on the outside, and that's all he did. And they had a brief contact, and I understand why they took him down in their eyes. They thought that, that the horse probably, and that's their opinion, that the horse was going to win. But I, I, I think the rule should be some kind of what you're allowed to do, what the jockey can do, and if did the horse have a fair chance to win. And that horse had a fair chance to win. He was, he was outside of him for a mile, you know, the whole time, and he didn't beat him. You know, it was, it was decided on the track. He didn't beat him. The steward should not, in that case, just say, "All right, we're going to take this one down." You know, it, it, to me, it just was—it's out. First of all, it's out of whack of what they do normally. Exactly. Yeah. You know? And then, second of all, it just—it it, in the just the logical schemes of things. You know, like if if you had said somebody that didn't know racing and you showed them th those two races and said, "This one, <laughs> this yeah. one is not an inquiry. This one's an inquiry." It, the guy, people's heads would spin. Yeah, it's you all know? about the consistency. Yeah. I think that's yeah. the, the main argument. Most people have it. It's kind of interesting. Your point, if maybe it was a little more codified, and and then there was a little more to go by for fans and for the stewards. But the fans would pick it up quick. Yeah, it, you know that's always the thing that was that when we were trying to do the thoroughbred foundation was that, well, you don't want to get too much that so that the fans don't understand. They know in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean it was it was impossible to understand what happened in the last three days. Right, right. It's impossible if you watched exactly. all three. Exactly. You just you just don't get it. And that should be and the goal. Now you're just guessing. You know? Yeah. Speaking of impossible to know, the situation we're facing in multiple jurisdictions and graded stake and non-graded stakes and Lasix on, Lasix off. How are you handling it? Not good. <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult. It's yeah, very it's very difficult. tough. But that is something for people to that are handicapping to, to definitely watch because it well, makes and a, that's it a makes good question difference. for you guys. You say it's difficult. Is it something you are factoring into the handicapping? Oh, this this guy's Lasix off, or this guy's back on Lasix. Is that you? Are you check marking all the time? If you look at this sheet, you're going to see circles around Lasix holes where they're not on it, and you'll see the figure go down when they're not on it. And I mean, it's it drives you crazy yeah. because you got to you got to pay attention to something new that you never ever paid attention. And because to. of that, it's it's hard to know how to factor it into the play. Right. Exactly. Well, it's not black and white. That's no, the biggest problem. It's very difficult. Because a horse can can bleed, uh, not bleed when he's not on Lasix, and then in the next race, he, he might. 
you know, because it's not, yeah. he might have bled, you don't know what happened, and just the on and off is no good. And even when they go back, if they bled without Lasix, you know, the, your, your mindset is, oh, when he's back on Lasix, I'm going to like him. But if he didn't get enough time, if it didn't heal, you know, there's a million things that happen. I've seen, that's been my biggest surprise about the on, on and off Lasix, is that horses that perform, have good form forever, go off Lasix, and then run bad, and then when they go back on Lasix, run worse. Run worse sometimes, yeah. You know, so, yeah. you know, I, I'm one thing I, uh, going back on Lasix, uh, I will not look at it positively unless there's been plenty of time. You know, yeah. like, like the long way off back on Lasix, I kind of like that angle, but I don't like the back on Lasix when it's, it's 30 days or less, you know. What what about the situation though, where because maybe you went into a stakes race had to lose the Lasix? You know, it's not a bleeding situation. Well, anything. Robin Robin Sparkles is probably the most recent yeah, yeah, fascinating yeah, yeah. scenario. Yeah. Perfect example. Yeah, she she comes off Lasix for the graded stakes and runs a, a, a stunner. And and granted, you know, some of that's a pace factor of you know a a, a, a pace horse that you know got the lead and and went on, but. I asked Bruce Brown the other day. I said, "What what were you expecting?" He said, "Well, you know, we were, you know, we're a little concerned yeah. because, uh, yeah, and just because she did this over here, I'm worried that you know, I'm not going to make the assumption that she's not going to have problems when she runs on Lasix off Lasix next time. You, you know, but I don't. Well, where do you go? I, I can't say one way or the other. It's you're you're kind of just guessing, you know, and that's the hardest thing in racing with this. I call it this transition that we're in. The high side era. Just everything. It's it's. It's hard to predict anything, you know, like we've got so that everybody runs off 60 days. So that's harder form. Form cycles are out the window. You know, that the, the sheets guys, your buddies there, they got to be having big trouble because there is no cycles, yeah. you know, there's and there's trouble. no. Um, I had a Twitter follower that made a good point about uh, you know, yesterday or the other day about what what could I have seen in this race? You know, she was asking, what could I have seen in this race that would have put me on this horse and I think she made a great point because that's that's what I see all day long is you know th there's nothing in the form anymore that you th that we might have been able to see yeah the form's not there but somehow if there's somebody out there making the horses right somebody's betting these horses that's the hard part too and they're making them odds that you would never bet them at right I mean I've seen examples of horses that are exactly. should so, be 15 to 1 or 3 to 1 and they're not handicapable they win. Yeah, they're not <laughs> handicapable angles. It's like, you know, the money's right, but they're not the money's not deciphering it off, a, you know, a traditional racing form or a traditional yeah, sheet, yeah. you know. It's like They knew. Yeah. yeah, they knew. Yeah, they knew. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of they knew, the pressure, the pressure is always on for a Paul and Duke because uh, we've got a long-running streak here. That was part of the uh, consternation when we had the snafu last year and you guys couldn't show up because we always like to get some opinions on the uh, afternoon card. So uh, let's get some thoughts and toss out some uh, winners to the folks today. Duke, why don't we start with you? What do you think? Uh, first horse I'll definitely go to will be uh fourth race the adirondack uh i had a trip on the four horse sabra tough last time um uh, kind of like what we call paul and i call an upline two-year-old that um closed well on the rail um which i thought was a little off at churchill last time i think i i think i can beat naughty gal too who's going to be an overbet uh favorite yeah. so i like uh, the four sabra tough do you want me to keep going yeah, yeah, yeah. sure um because I might steal one of Paul's if I keep going. But uh, the sixth race uh, at Saratoga, the nine horse had a 
rough trip first time out at Keeneland. Uh, Jonathan Thomas, really good with uh, horses stretching out on turf. I, I love the Augustan horses when they come up here. I used to love them with Shepard. But anyway. Uh, you like, nature, nature. You like Jonathan Shepard? I, we know that that's going to be news of this. The morning line was a little short given what this uh, horse did. That horse can't be five to two. No, that horse won't be five to two. There's a lot of pedigree. In this group, yeah, there's a ton of pedigree. serious yeah, pedigree yeah, here, yeah, including yeah, the Emma, the Emma's Encore baby, yeah. uh, that uh, that invest wise. will be more like four or five to one. Yeah, that's uh, good. I'm glad you said that. I like uh, the two justifies. So delight number nine in the uh, six. What else? Uh, I think with the moonlight might turn the tables on McCulloch just because uh, you might be ahead, far enough ahead of him on this harder turf course. I thought it might be. Might even get the lead. If he gets the lead, I think it's lights out. Um, so Charlie F will be double people could have had. And then in the ninth, I like Love and Thunder, who uh, yeah, who's had some yeah. rough trips. Has run second here two times. Uh, I think it was last year. So they're the four horses that I like. All right, sounds good, Paul. Well, you know, you mentioned earlier we weren't on here because uh, I think Steve broke the cameras with the suit last year. And uh, but I think it was kind of like the racing guys were working because I've never not given out a winner, and I wouldn't have on that. Oh, oh, this. Uh, so, <laughs> but wasn't I, that the day that the. They, they really did. Something broke, right? Yeah, the camera oh, yeah, broke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we yeah. lost power between here and Albany. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, was, yeah. yeah that, was, that wasn't, so it wasn't the day that, that Paul, that, you know, Paul, you know, had, a, had to go swing by the apartment. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. Paul was going to, and, and, then, he, and then he relented. I'll get more of the uh, Rip Van Winkle. Over. <laughs> hey, when's your birthday? I got an alarm clock for you. I, I, told them, I did a, I did a uh, podcast uh, a few weeks ago. And they had like this, this quick, uh, here's a minute of quick questions. So who's your favorite racer? Blah, blah. Your most embarrassing moment at the racetrack. And I'm like, oh, what the? Oh! As Paul and his wife were outside my uh, door. Uh, yeah, yeah she, she wanted me to ask you if I, see, that's what her joke to me was, do I, do I have to pick up Seth on the way, to, on the way over to do it today? And for folks who don't remember, it was, it was, it was, it was last year. I have two phones that I used as alarm clocks. One of them ran out of batteries, and one of them I had set incorrectly. So I'm in snoozing, and I hear banging on the door. I go open the door, and there's Paul, Paul Paul's wife. Oh, thank God you're all right. And I'm like, what? What are you doing? And then I look at the clock, and it's like, oh, I missed the first show. We're in the middle of the second show. I made it for the end of the second show, but yeah, then the rest of the season. Was, that hey, sounds like hey, something I would do. <laughs> I, said to people, I said to people subsequently, you work in an insurance office, you're late to work. They, they shrug their shoulders. You're on TV. They think you're dead. So, uh, uh, I we, tell we, you really, we really did that. Yeah, I know. Steve <laughs> and I really did that. That included Paul calling me and goes, this isn't good. <laughs> well, I go, in the, uh, go to pay my rent and go in the office a couple weeks later, and they're like, wait, they really wanted to get in, but I, <laughs> she said, I was worried about it. It's like, oh, well, it's nice enough. Uh, yeah, give us some winners. Well, the, the one I like the best is in the eighth race, the, the eight, Portilla, who was uh, chasing wide on an outside uh, an inside flow day at uh, and has a real distinct uh, pace advantage, which I think will should be able to stalk and uh, and I don't think seven furlongs would be a problem. I, I think that's uh, the horse I like the most today. Nice. All right. Anything else of interest? Um, Duke covered some of them, but uh, you know the 
I guess the... Uh, not really. The card isn't the greatest. Yeah. Um, to go with him, you know, in, in, the, in that same eighth race, okay. you know, Phil Bowers had a great meet. Yes. And his horses have been running good. And even though they're out of the same race, the, the six and the eight, and I, I'm definitely going oh, okay. to go with both of them together somehow in the in the exactas and tries um and uh, you know in the uh in the snake the 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 next race there the ninth race you know just how about tom worley how you know the meat he's having yeah. you yep. know it's uh it's been interesting that the trainers how uh um that that horse is dangerous yeah i think the asserted the, style we're talking about uh, the, the eight 15 to one just maybe how the uh you know how the barn's going and I think they're going to be aggressive, too, in, in that race. Well, I'll ask you guys race number one, horse number two. It's my Dark Horse play of the day today. Brought to you by the Dark Horse Mercantile. Do you guys like the two in the first race? Say yes, uh, bye. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that race was the most wide-open race of the day. So. It is. Every horse it's a looks fun like they could win it. So. Shot with. So, yeah. and, and there was no pedigree in the whole race. Yeah, there was no pedigree. That was the weird thing. Uh, we looked. I tell you, I did a lot of work in that race. But the two workout horses there are the three and the seven. Okay. And, uh, you know, they seem to be working good. The seven worked real good into his first race, too. So he could be a morning glory. But um, I think the seven's going to take a lot of money because he's working okay. exceptionally good. So. Before we go, too, uh, I do want to get in a question that came off of Twitter. And uh, one of the viewers asked about the Breeders' Cup Classic Future Wager, which closes tonight at 7.30. I don't think we really saw anything yesterday that that is going to change a ton of minds uh maybe olympiad actually probably olympiad maybe picked up a, a point or two um I, i'll turn to you guys any thoughts about this i mean you've got presence in vegas you know to bet it you know to bet it where it's being offered in vegas but the rest of us uh a chance this weekend to duke and i have a disagreement on this a little bit this will this be good. good yeah because uh what do you think well duke is you know like everybody else and rightfully so loves flight line but i I kind of, his last race kind of, to me, showed that he had flaws that could be exploited maybe, especially going longer distances and with bigger fields. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing to me about this is that the three-year-olds went, went through the three races and they didn't seem like they were that good. But every figure that I've done since the Belmont uh -huh. has jumped uh, significantly, including the Jim Dandy, which was a really fast race, which is really weird and i thought epicenter couldn't have been more impressive no. he, he won without the trip and you know the the pool i noticed that epicenter wasn't being bet like a three-year-old you know unfortunately with betting a three-year-old in the breeders cup classic you're not getting the best of it like if you tried to do that in vegas you're you're you just wait you're better off waiting for the breeders cup but i noticed that the three-year-olds were getting kind of ignored in the in the pool in the parameter pool so I would be looking for three-year-olds. That's what I would. I would be and, and that's tremendous advice. I, I had Tim Schramm uh, from Breeders' Cup on on Friday, and I specifically brought up the three-year-olds as being the option because there's going to be this preconceived notion that we have such a good group of handicap horses yeah. that the three-year-olds will be up against it this year. Except that the three-year-olds November, the first weekend of November, are, are not the three-year-olds of the first weekend of May. And you know, Steve Davidowitz wrote uh, in Betting Thoroughbreds about how you know there's this preconceived notion after the Triple Crown, people you know have seen these three-year-olds so much and they've made up their minds about them. 
don't make up your mind about them because CyberKnife and Epicenter and and I'm sure that uh, charge it, uh, charge it uh, you know, That's and those types one. and that well, let's see what the Derby winner does as well. Um, Even the West Virginia Derby yesterday was fast. Skippy uh, Longstocking. He got a perfect trip, but I'm just it's just in, it's weird that all these three year old races are coming up. Fast. They're a good group. Yeah. They're running triple digit buyers yeah. and. Uh, they may very well be competitive, and there's going to be pace in this classic. So what, one of the most interesting stories of the entire campaign season is going to be the way the Asmussen barn, the way Asmussen and Scott Blasey and team have handled Epicenter, because everybody was hammering them that they, oh, they took away his best his best virtue, his speed, they took the speed away from him, teaching him to be a raider and, and teaching him to be a stalk and go. Well. It, Based on that Jim Dandy performance, it's going to serve him well by the time we get to Del Mar. Yeah, I just, uh, think, he's, I just think he's the best three-year-old. Period. period. So, yeah, I, I think mean, that's I true. I don't. I don't Might think there's true. a. I don't think there's a mystery there at all. He. Just, I think he. I don't know if they purposely took the speed away. He broke that they, that day. But they. But they also seen based on the workout pattern. It seemed that they were trying to teach him to settle and and sit behind horses. And you know that, what, you know what's a good know? lesson though. Epicenters teach himself. There you go. You know, there you go. Everybody seems to think that it's just always the it's trainers just, doing whatever. Work. No, they, they, they experience. Just, that, that's experience. Period. He, he's figuring it out. He's figuring it out. I don't have to go faster. Well, and that and and this this topic is and coming out of the last two weekends gets back to Cyberknife in the Haskell and Epicenter in the Jim Dandy. They they had way more experience than early voting and and uh, Taba and you know the horses that were making their th fourth starts versus horses that were making their eighth and ninth starts. I mean, there's something to be said for and, and both of those horses, uh, Cyberknife in particular, was a, 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 a behavioral problem as a young horse. Yeah. I still think he's in trouble when he goes against Epicenter. I think he's we got We got to wrap this up. We got just more. Like, we, got, we got so much more like to do. Just, just, just like not fair. Like not... Jonathan Shepard. We are way over time on Lucy <laughs> But uh, there's no surprise there when Paul and Duke. I like that when you guys this. argue, though. They should change the name of it. It's like. Uh, you know, loose on the lead. I was my joke is which one is Zyred and which one's Jose because somebody's always loose. It would be great if you guys just duel. It wouldn't be great if I, Jose and Zyred got into an argument. And I, they, I and always, they duel the, all the time. I always acquiesce to him. I, 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 I always I, yield I to Seth. Too mad because I won't get the bag of ties. Speed again. duel. You can switch it. You come in here and just start <laughs> punching each other. <laughs> so uh, before we go, I wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Merry and, Christmas, uh, everybody. Happy yeah, holidays. Christmas. <laughs> a great 2023. Happy holidays. For the replay coming up a little bit later this year but again it's always fun paul and duke with these thanks for stopping by and thanks. uh thank you sir. enjoy the rest of the season out with the purple tablecloths uh you guys drinking out of the big red spring is that a thing when you're out there yeah my, my son and i do oh yeah, yeah. we're I, used to i it. don't partake <laughs> <laughs> happy, right. happy birthday too to duke a week late oh that's yeah, nice 50 nice. this year 50 years old excellent excellent has gets, he has he grown up at all no no <laughs> 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 it only gets better from here uh, uh, all right. I don't know about that. <laughs> we will wrap it up for this edition of Loose on the Lead. Seth Merrill, Steve Beck, every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. So we'll see you again next week. Enjoy the racing this afternoon. Sales coming up uh, Monday and Tuesday night. Enjoy those as well as far as OTB TV. Back Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. We'll see you then. You're watching OTB TV, a service of Capital Off-Track Betting.